Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, everybody, it's Lon Seibin, and it's time for your weekly wrap-up. And I want to begin first, as we always do, by thanking our newest Patreon supporters. And this week, we just have one, Gary Johnson, who gives via the tip jar. He gave again this month, so I want to thank him for his contribution to the channel. And once again, the wrap-up here is being sponsored by the iRoller. And uh, what these are are little screen cleaners that you can put in your bag. There's no liquids. There's nothing to leak out. Uh, They're very convenient here. You can see they fold up very nicely in these little tubes when they're not in use. And then when you're ready to use the iRoller, you just open it up like so, get out your dirty device here, and uh, run it up and down once or twice, and your screen uh, will be clean. You can see the kind of border here that it leaves between clean and dirty. Even though my screen's a little scratched up here, it is a lot cleaner uh, than it was just a second ago. They have a bunch of different eye rollers available. So they've got the big eye roller here, uh, the mini eye roller, which you just saw. And then they also have one called Eyeglass Clean for your glasses. And uh, these things really do work quite well. And then when they get a little too gunked up, you can run them under some hot water with some dish soap. Uh, you let them dry out, and then uh, they will get sticky again. So you can see this one's starting to get a buildup of uh, some dirt and whatnot on there, but a quick clean and then just letting it air dry for a few hours is all you need to do to get them refreshed and sticky once again. So I want to thank the iRoller for their support of the channel. I've been using these things quite a bit, including on my laptop screens. I've often let them go on for too long without a good cleaning. They get all gunked up. Uh, These are a really good way to keep up the maintenance on your screen cleaning activities. And because they're always with you, because they're so small and portable, uh, they really do work quite well. So I want to thank them again for their support of the channel. So let's take a look at the week in review. I got a bunch of stuff uploaded to the Extras channel, and I'm seeing the subscriber number getting very close to 5,000 on that one. Had a bunch of unboxings as well as some game capture footage from an NES clone that I reviewed. And we had a mini review of an Amazon Basics Nintendo Switch carrying case. You can see all of that stuff at lon.tv slash extras. And by the way, that channel has become really important for me because I look at what kind of enthusiasm I see on those unboxings to figure out uh, the order in which I should review things during the week. So your viewership on that channel really helps guide the content on the main channel here. And speaking of the main channel, here's what I did on the main channel. We looked at that NES clone console from Retrobit. We had a look at the Belkin Thunderbolt 3 Express dock that I got the other day. And we also took a look at a microscope, and that's not something I typically review here on the channel. I'm not always looking at scientific instruments, but this is more of a consumer electronics piece of equipment uh, because it is a microscope, but it outputs at 1080p, and that's right up my alley if it's got an HDMI port on it. And it was very cool to manipulate things microscopically on a big screen TV. I think it's a very compelling thing, especially for kids, and I had a lot of fun playing with it, and a lot of you enjoyed that review as well. And then we looked at an IdeaPad 320 from Lenovo with a 17-inch display, a pretty large laptop, but some people are into that kind of thing, and you can see that full review linked in the playlist down below. Now, I did want to answer some follow-up questions I got from viewers, and we'll start with two that I got on the RetroBit Res Plus. Versatile and Pepsi Cola Zero want to know if I prefer playing on the original NES 
uh, or one of the clone consoles? And the answer, of course, is on the original NES hooked up to a CRT television. Uh, the one piece of modern technology I'm integrating into that uh, setup is the EverDrive N8 because it does allow for save states. And back in my day, you couldn't do a save state on a Nintendo game, but now that I'm older, I think I'm entitled to do that every once in a while. But I have really, really enjoyed the Analog NT Mini, which I bought a few months ago. I did a full review of that, which I'll add to the master playlist down below. It costs a small fortune, but it is the most accurate modern NES clone you can buy. It really looks beautiful on my HD screen. There's practically no noticeable uh, input lag on it. And there's some firmware out for it that allows you to run just about every other 8-bit console that I had from the 80s as well. So I get very accurate representations of the ColecoVision, the Sega Master System, the NES, of course, and a few other consoles as well. I love that thing. And uh, in some ways, it actually might be a little better than the original, especially when it's hooked up to my HD televisions. But again, if you really want the true experience, uh, skip the clone console, get yourself a CRT TV and an NES, fix those pins on it so the cartridges work, get the EverDrive, and you'll have a great experience, a good gift idea for a geek in your life. I also wanted to follow up on one question that I got from a viewer on the Lenovo IdeaPad. 4K high-res gaming is wondering if I'm getting any other monetary value from Lenovo on the videos that I do, uh, or is it just the YouTube ad revenue that I'm getting? And as I mentioned at the beginning of every video, nobody pays for the reviews that you see. If there is a sponsorship arrangement, I say it up front so that you know, and I change the color of the thumbnail. Uh, the arrangement with Lenovo is that they send stuff in for me to review, and then when I'm done, I have to send it back. In fact, usually I have about 30 days to uh, get the product reviewed and back to them, and that's how they work with other reviewers as well. The reason why you see so much Lenovo stuff on the channel is that they send so much to me to review. They're the only brand out there uh, that spends as much time interfacing with reviewers large and small, and that's why they have a larger representation here on the channel. I've been eager to get other brands in here. I reach out to Dell and HP and all these other brands all the time, Asus. Uh, nobody gets me hardware to even, I don't want it. I don't want to keep it. I just want to borrow it uh, for 30 days like I do with Lenovo to get uh, more reviews up, but it's like pulling teeth to get uh, sample units from other major brands. And that's why Lenovo is so uh, heavily represented here on the channel because they do send things in. I do buy uh, some of the less expensive laptops from Acer and Asus and HP and others, but it's hard to buy a lot of that stuff, especially the more expensive laptops that get into the uh, seven or $800 range. So that's why we're imbalanced a little bit here. I certainly uh, would like to review more brands of different pieces of hardware. So if you want to help, uh, maybe you can start reaching out to some brands on my behalf, asking them to uh, get us into their review loaner program. The problem from the brand perspective is that there are a million people like me all asking for equipment to uh, borrow for review. So I don't blame them for not sending things here. There's so many other people and other channels that are larger that uh, are getting access to this stuff. And there's only so many uh, review units to get out there. But again, I really would like a broader representation of the PC industry here on the channel. But at the moment, Lenovo seems to be the only one that sends us a regular amount of hardware to take a look at. In fact, I've got three more uh, on deck already. And I do try to stagger those reviews out so we're not all Lenovo all the time. Now, one thing I didn't mention at the outset here is that I also have affiliate links on every review that I do, including all the Lenovo stuff. I get a small percentage of whatever sales that uh, viewers of this channel generate after clicking on the link, but there's no sponsorship arrangement with that. I'm only paid if you click and buy something, and that uh, is true with every affiliate link that I have here on the channel. Now it's time for a few things that are on my mind, and this is week 28 of my full-time endeavor here, and 
Uh, things are going very well with our new part-time person. He's a very quick study. His name is Corey, as I mentioned last week. He's doing about uh, 20 hours a week here, and there is plenty of work for him to do. And what's been great now is that I can uh, take some things that might take an hour or two of my time and now give them to him, especially packing up uh, some of that stuff to send back to Lenovo. There's actually some work involved in getting these things opened, uh, reviewed, and then when I'm done, I got to reset them and repackage them and ship them back to uh, the mothership there. And that's one of the things Corey's been helping with. So there's a lot of little things here that uh, he's taking off my plate that are really helping me just stay ahead of uh, the game, essentially, on all the stuff that I'm doing here. So it's been a big help, and I will keep you posted, and hopefully you'll all get to meet him uh, very shortly in an upcoming video when the opportunity arises. And in the news this week, a bunch of you let me know that Nintendo is committing to making more of their NES Classic Edition and uh, is promising enough inventory of the Super NES Classic Edition. These are both little clone consoles directly from Nintendo uh, that look like little versions of these retro consoles we remember from the 90s and the 80s with a bunch of games baked in. The controllers are uh, identical to what they looked like back in the day, and it's a really cool way to get these retro games back out to a new generation. The problem, though, is that Nintendo did not make enough of these last year. They're promising to do better this year and then bringing back the 8-bit version of that clone console. So anyone that missed out uh, last year will have an opportunity to get one next year uh, when they get that inventory back up. This is a big money maker for Nintendo and they are uh, really foolish not to take advantage of all the buzz they've created by uh, such a shortage of inventory which by the way has been their corporate strategy forever they always had an issue with supply and it just builds up more momentum and desire for the product as a result so uh, now they're hopefully going to give you enough of the uh, inventory on the new device that maybe we can actually get one here for review in the upcoming holiday season so stay tuned I will try to get one of these in but uh, do know Know you might have a good chance of getting one as well. And now it's time for some Q&A from you, the viewers. And our first question comes in here from Blackout Worm, who's wondering if I've ever considered uploading to vid.me. He says there's definitely a market over there as a lot of people are moving to the site due to YouTube's new censorship policies. Now, I do want to address the censorship question up front here because it's important to denote the difference between censoring something and uh, not having something be advertiser-friendly. So what's happened over the last couple of months is that uh, YouTube's advertisers have told YouTube that they don't want their ads appearing against certain types of content. And YouTube is responding to that because the advertisers are YouTube's customers and their customers want some control over how ads are appearing on the platform and those brands that are paying for those ads uh, want some brand safety in many cases. There are advertisers that don't care uh, where their ads appear and those will still keep running, but larger brands are very sensitive to being next to content that might be considered controversial and that is where we're at these days. Unfortunately, a lot of YouTubers are getting caught up unfairly in this because it is an algorithmic-based determination and a lot of folks are losing a lot of money because the algorithm is not quite working just yet. It's unfortunate that this happened the way it did because uh, YouTube really should have had some brand safety built in from day one as opposed to rolling it out in a uh, crisis mode like we're in right now. And I think a lot of creators are being unfairly hit by this because many are not producing any, in, any controversial content at all, yet uh, the algorithm thinks it might be. So that's been an issue. Thankfully, knock on wood, I haven't had those kinds of issues. Now, I uh, do upload to vid.me. In fact, I upload most of what you see on the Extras channel over there. And I do like vid.me as a platform quite a bit. 
it. I, I talked to the folks that are running the uh, platform about, last, about a year ago or so when I first got on it, and I uh, really like what they're doing. They're trying to build a very community-focused platform, which is awesome. The problem I have with it right now is that the discoverability isn't so great on there, so it's kind of reminding me of the way YouTube was from the uh, early days where there was an editorial team that would put videos in front of the viewers. They pick certain videos as their top picks for the week, and I've seen a few little lifts in uh, viewership when they have picked a few of my videos for that, which has been really cool and appreciated. But uh, the problem is day-to-day, uh, there's not a real algorithmic discoverability thing going on. And what I found on YouTube is that as their uh, discoverability algorithm has gotten better, I've seen more people find my videos. When you log in and you see all this stuff that uh, is put up in front of you of things you might want to watch, it is really uh, helping a lot of creators rise above the, uh, the fray there and reach people that are really interested in the type of content that they're doing. And VidMe isn't quite there yet. So I really don't see a lot of views. So for example, if I upload a weekly wrap-up video, I might get maybe 12 or 15 or 30 views on it if I'm lucky. And of course, here on YouTube, I will see uh, probably about 2,500 to 3,000 views when I do one of these videos and then much more for my reviews. So I really uh, also need to be keeping in mind that I'm running a business here and I have to put my videos, especially my uh, videos I spend a lot of time producing, on platforms that will uh, give me some revenue for doing so. So I'm probably not going to upload my reviews frequently to vid.me. I'll put the unboxings and some of the supplementary content that will dra draw people to uh, the content that is monetizable. Uh, and that's a very important thing for someone who's doing what I'm doing here is you've got to eat. And in order to eat, you've got to make money and you've got to be on a platform that will compensate you for that. And VidMe does have some features like subscriptions and uh, they're starting to get some uh, ad sharing going, but I'm just not seeing the, uh, the potential there for me just yet. But I am continually uploading some stuff there to keep myself uh, visible on that platform. And the big question then is what alternatives are there to YouTube? Now, if you're a streamer doing video game streaming or something creative, Twitch is a good alternative. It takes a while to get seen on there, but uh, generally Twitch is live streams. They do have some recorded content, but generally it's not the on-demand platform that uh, YouTube is. And that's been the issue for me is that there really is no other place at the moment where I can get a, a decent audience with a huge potential audience like YouTube has and get a revenue share. Even Facebook uh, is not sharing revenue with small creators. They kind of pick and choose who has an opportunity to make money with them and the rest of us uh, can just uh, pound sand or whatever it is they want us to do. So it's been uh, really difficult. Now one thing I'm very intrigued with is what Amazon has been doing with their video content. Uh, they've been putting these little things called video shorts at the bottom of just about every product listing on the platform. And a lot of the content comes from the review section. So here's a Chromebook that I reviewed, and uh, here is my video that I did on uh, my review of that product. Now, this is not something I get compensated for, but uh, some video that I upload to Amazon, I do get compensated for. So they uh, started up a program called Video Direct not too long ago that allows anyone to upload to Amazon like you would to YouTube, but uh, they have a much more controlled platform. So somebody actually reviews the video before they allow it on, and I'm often getting my content rejected for any one of a host of different reasons, and it's usually pretty aggravating. Uh, so usually what they do is ding me for just having lon.tv listed on the logo of the video, uh, unfortunately, that is the name of the channel. So what I've been doing is uh, taking the period off the thumbnails to try to get around that. But sometimes they watch the video and see the lawn.tv logo at the beginning and 
uh, ding me for that. They also require that you have a closed captioning file uploaded with your video also, which is not such a big deal anymore because YouTube does that for me. I can download their captioning, which is auto-created, and upload that with the video. But if there's some garbage text in there, uh, they reject me for the garbage text. And when I fix the text, then they reject me for the video reason. So it hasn't been all that easy to work with the Video Direct program. They do, though, compensate people for when those videos get watched. So down here in this video short section, uh, this Chromebooks in the Classroom video is part of that because it's not a customer review. So they don't pay you for the customer reviews, but they do pay you for these right here. Uh, so anytime somebody watches that, there's a per minute compensation based on prime member viewership of that video. And there's potentially some pretty good uh, lucrative opportunities for independent creators in this thing. So I'm going to keep working on the Amazon stuff, but uh, at the moment I'm just reviewing things through their uh, review platform. And occasionally if I have a video that's a good how-to or something, I'll try to put that up. But generally it takes me several hours to get everything right with them to get it approved. Like I said, about uh, most of my videos get rejected in some way, shape, or form before they finally allow it on the platform. So it's kind of a mess to work with right now, but I do think there's a a tremendous opportunity for me on Amazon if they do uh, create something that's more consumer review focused. I think I can do very well there. But that's really it. There really aren't many places that share revenue, especially from the major uh, platforms out there. And that's been the big disappointment in that uh, YouTube is my only place to go right now because it's the only place I can really make any money doing this. And I would like to have my content in more places, but uh, nobody's been able to come up with a platform that can compensate me fairly enough to uh, make it worth my time to upload there. Now, in case you were concerned that I hadn't yet talked about the iPhone 10 this week, rest assured we're going to talk about it now. Handquake has a great question about facial recognition on the new phone and what that might mean for how you interface with law enforcement. Uh, because, of course, most iPhones right now unlock with a fingerprint, but if a police officer can grab your phone and point it at you to unlock it, and incriminate you, uh, shouldn't there be some protections against that kind of thing? Now, here in the United States, we have a constitutional protection against self-incrimination. So if I have information on my phone that I know would convict me of a crime and my phone is locked with a password, I don't have to give that password to the police because I can invoke my Fifth Amendment rights against self-incrimination. I had the password in my head, giving that up would self-incriminate myself, and that has been a protection that the courts have recognized. However, the courts have decided that fingerprints, biometrics, facial uh, features are not things that you have in your head. They're things that you just have, and therefore, they're not entitled to the same protections. So it might be easier for a criminal with a iPhone 10 to get that phone unlocked by the police just by having them pointed at that criminal's face to get access to the phone because there are simply no Fifth Amendment protections against biometrics. So if you are concerned about this feature, uh, my suggestion would be not to use it and rely on passwords only because you will be protected against having to compel your password over, uh, whereas you are not protected on your biometrics. And the new phone, of course, just like the current versions, uh, offers those biometrics as something they really want you to use, but you can decide to turn them off. We also saw during the uh, event that Apple did that Craig Federici, the guy on stage demoing that feature, it didn't work right away for him because there was a few people that had handled the phone before he came out on stage and it forced him to type in a password. So the same kinds of protections that Apple has now with the fingerprint, I think, will apply to uh, the new phone in that there are too many uh, false uh, faces in front of the phone. It will then require the password. Uh, likewise, if the phone goes 48 hours without a uh, face recognition, at least a valid face recognition, it will also require a password re-entry. But if you're really concerned about this thing, uh, my advice is never to use biometrics on your phone. 
And our next comment comes in here from Stacy Luster about 4K content versus 1080p. Is it really all that it's cracked up to be? And I guess it depends on what your use case is. Uh, really what we're seeing here is that Televisions have become commoditized, just like everything else has become commoditized lately. As I'm sure many of you noticed, your, t your TVs that you bought maybe four or five years ago uh, don't last all that long like the old TVs did. And uh, TV manufacturers are not making all that much money off the TVs they are selling, so they need to keep putting out new features to get people to buy something. So 3D was a thing for a while that didn't really take off, but now 4K is a thing, and we're seeing more 4K content from Netflix and YouTube and other sources. And I have to say, uh, when you watch something in 4K, especially at 60 frames per second, it looks amazing on a 4K TV. It really does look nice. So if you want the best possible image quality that's out there, a 4K TV is the way to go. And thankfully, thanks to the commoditization going on, uh, we're seeing those 4K TV prices plummet. In fact, I got that uh, Samsung that we look at often here on the channel uh, about a year ago on the Amazon Prime Day sale for like four or five hundred dollars and it looks beautiful even the 1080p content gets a little uh, up conversion going on and it looks really nice and here's why um, because 4k content has four times the resolution of 1080p essentially uh, this image came in from Wikipedia that is a really good way to demonstrate just how much more visual information there is in a 4k image versus a 1080p image. And my cable provider, though, is still mostly broadcasting stations at 720p. Uh, so you can see just how much more resolution I might get out of Netflix or YouTube or a 4K Blu-ray which versus what I might get over the air. So if you're primarily watching over the air content, you're likely going to be uh, in some maybe some 1080i content, which doesn't look as good perhaps as 1080p does, and 720p, uh, whereas folks with the right equipment and the right services can get uh, some better quality imagery. Now of note here is my mother who has a 1080p television, but she is still using a standard definition cable box and she's kind of in this light blue zone there and she's perfectly happy with it. She doesn't even notice she's not getting high def content on her TV because she really doesn't care about it. So I think it really comes down to what you as a consumer need. And the good news is, is that 4K content will play back just fine on 1080p sets and it might look just fine for what you're looking to do with it. So there is at least some backwards compatibility here, just like there was with the standard definition stuff. And I think uh, if you don't really think you need 4K, then you probably don't need it right now. I have though seen some really nice advantages to 4K displays on PCs, both laptops and desktops, because it does allow for uh, scaling content so you get much sharper images and much, much sharper text. It really is nice to edit photos, for example, on a 5K iMac or a, a really nice high density display you might get on a tablet. So there are some advantages to packing more pixels into smaller screens for productivity. But again, if you don't think you need it, you probably don't need it. And that will bring us to our Q&A for you this week. What are your thoughts on 4K content? Do you think it's worth uh, upgrading your television for? Let me know down in the comments below and let's have a conversation about that. So the channel of the week this week is uh, one of my favorite space companies, SpaceX, and uh, they posted a great video this week. It's right over here. It's called How to uh, Not Land an Orbital Rocket Booster, and they uh, put up some footage of some of their failures at getting their rockets to land on barges in the ocean or perhaps on solid ground. There's some really great <laughs> explosions uh, that were anticipated, by the way. These were not necessarily failures, but uh, a process of development to get to a point where they can actually start landing these things routinely, which they've started doing now. Uh, it's pretty remarkable, and you can see the evolution of 
uh, that process. And it really is a testament to engineers and how they work. You fail, you learn, you try again, and eventually things start working the way you expect them to. So a great channel. You can always watch their launches live. They have great launch coverage now. And uh, one of the things that I hope to do later this year uh, is when they launch their new heavy rocket, I'm going to go down to Florida and cover that so you can watch it uh, along with me. It might be kind of fun to do a little insider look at a rocket launch. We're going to do that on the channel from time to time. I last did it about two or three years ago. I'll put a link to some of the work I did uh, covering a SpaceX mission down there so you can see that and let me know what you think I should cover the next time I go down. It's a real passion of mine. I want to share it with all of you. It's not generally the, the type of coverage I usually do here on the channel, but I do think a lot of you might find it of interest. So uh, do let me know what you think of SpaceX coverage moving forward. So this week, though, we're going to be closer to Earth. I finally got in the uh, WD MyCloud Home. They sent over the Duo Edition, which is the two-drive unit. I'm going to have a call with them to get uh, some of the basics out of the way so I understand how the product works. And then hopefully uh, midweek or towards the end of next week, we'll have a full review up of that. I know a lot of you are waiting on that. Uh, we're also going to take a look finally, hopefully, at the uh, Alienware 15 that I got in the other day. Corey's been busy uh, getting some game footage captured to that. Uh, what a job. He can play video games and get paid for it. It's a good deal for him, and he really enjoyed playing with that. So we've got most of the footage captured. It's got to shoot the review and go through uh, some of the other stuff related to this laptop. So stay tuned. We're going to have something on that. I'm also getting in a new Asus laptop that I thought I was going to get last week. It's coming in tomorrow. So uh, we're going to put Corey on that, getting that one ready to go. So we'll have a review of it. I think this one costs about 400 bucks or so. Uh, so a little nicer than the Acer we just took a look at. And I'm going to be reviewing the new Tech Connect Spark that I unboxed last week. Uh, this is a great network uh, HDMI capture box that I've already used already once here on the channel. You didn't even know it. I used it during that NES review. I plugged in that clone console into the Spark and brought in footage to my TriCaster over the network. But this will work for more than just TriCasters, so I'll show you how it all works now that I've got a very good idea as to exactly what it can and can't do. But I am very pleased with this purchase. It's going to make my life a lot easier here on the channel. Now, if you want to help the channel, you can. You can go to lon.tv slash Patreon and make a monthly contribution to the channel. We also have the tip jar set up at lon.tv slash tip jar for a one-time contribution. And then if you're outside the U.S., PayPal always works. Lon at lon.tv is where you can do that. If you want to sign up for Plex, you can do that for free with no credit card required at lon.tv slash Plex. We get an affiliate commission for that transaction. You can also gift a Plex Pass subscription to someone you know or love or hate at lon.tv slash Plex gift. And this is not my only channel. You can find my extras channel at lon.tv slash extras for unboxings and supplementary content. Lon.tv slash podcast for audio forms of this show and many other longer form things that I do here like interviews. People are really digging that. I'm getting a lot of good traffic on the podcast feed. That's in your favorite podcast tracker. And you can also just go to that address to find the feed. Lon.tv slash snippets is my snippets channel where I pull out components of longer videos like this one that are more search friendly. That's going to get uh, worked on soon by Corey. We're going to do more on that channel. Lon.tv slash vidme, of course, which I just mentioned is the vidme channel. And we have live streams set up at lon.tv slash live streams. These are my archives of prior live streams. I still do want to get going with a regular live stream, which I'm going to be 
uh, thinking about shortly after we get a lot of the uh, extra work that's been not getting done around here done because Corey's now here to help me out with that. So uh, hopefully we'll be thinking about doing a live show in the near future. I'm not sure what day of the week it's going to be, but it will happen at some point in the very near future, hopefully. Now I do ask that you click on the bell icon if you like what I'm doing and want to get notified every time I'm doing something here on the channel. You'll get a little notification with every upload just by clicking on that bell. We also have an email list, which I need to get going on again, uh, lon.tv slash email. I have a Facebook page where I do a lot of stuff during the week at lon.tv slash Facebook. Whenever I find an article of interest, I like to share it with all of you. And we have the store where I sell things that I bought on the channel and I'm now uh, done with because I'm done reviewing them. You can buy uh, those very items that I reviewed used for a pretty good price. And I just put a bunch of stuff up on there, including that Acer Aspire, which was that sub $200 laptop. I've got the Alienware steam machine that I reviewed about a year or so ago and some other stuff as well. So definitely check out the store if you're looking for a new computer for a good deal right now. You can be notified whenever I put something on the store at lon.tv slash store alert. I'll send out an email every time I change a price or add something new. So that's going to do it for this week's weekly wrap up. Thank you all for watching. I am trying to make these shorter. I'm getting closer. I think I'm like 10 or 20 seconds shorter than last week, maybe. I'm not sure. I'll know when I put it all back together, but I am trying to shorten these things up a bit and would love to hear some feedback from you as to what I should take out of the wrap-up that you're not enjoying. So let me know down in the comments below so we can make this a more concise wrap-up of the week's activities. This is Lon Seidman. Thanks for watching. This channel is brought to you by my Patreon supporters, including Gold Level supporters, the Black Eyed and Blues Music Hour podcast, Chris Allegretta, John Prawl, William Miller, and Charlie Walden. If you want to help the channel, you can by contributing as little as a dollar a month. Head over to lon.tv slash Patreon to learn more. And don't forget to subscribe. Visit lon.tv slash s.